KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Today's shir is dedicated, the schut of the shir should be for the Rufuah Shlema of Dvora Idel Bat Miriam Bracha. Schut Torah, schut HaFatzat Torah, Tamod La, Rufuah Shlema, Rufuah Nefesh, Rufuah Aguf, Hashta Ba'agadar Bizman Kariv. KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Tuesday. Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Shur Parshat HaShavua will be given this week as usual by Harav Hanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Shemot, I would like to focus on the story found in Perak Bet of Sefer Shemot, what can be thought of as the early years of the life of uh, Moshe. As we should remember, Parak Bet of Sefer Shemot begins with the story of the birth of Moshe. Parak Bet, Pasuk Aleph, tells us as follows, And a man went from the house of Levi, he took a daughter, apparently anonymous daughter of Bat Levi, according to the text here in Parak Bet, Pasuk Aleph. Parak Bet, Pasuk Bet, And the woman became pregnant, she gave birth, and Moshe was born, etc., etc., some of the details of the story should be familiar to us. As I mentioned a moment ago, Parak Bet begins with the birth of Moshe, the very beginnings of his life. And Parak Bet concludes to some extent with Moshe as a young married man. Yoshe, Moshe arrives in Midian, he marries Tsipora, and we're told at the end of the Parak, Parak Bet, Pasukaf Alephayo, Moshe Lashevetetaish, Vaitene Tsipora Bitola Moshe. Moshe dwelt with the man, and he was given Tsipora, the man's daughter, uh, as a wife, and, and here, so to speak, the circle is completed, where Moshe had been born at the beginning of the parak. Now, a uh, son is born to Moshe, uh, towards the very end of the parak. parak bet, pasuk kaf bet, v'teled ben ve'ikrat shmo gershom, and uh, he had a son, and he called his name gershom, etc. So we have here, um, in parak bet, overall, as I said, the story of the early years of Moshe's life, from his very own birth, to the birth of his first son. Now, in point of fact, I would like to focus on the very first part uh, of the early years uh, of Moshe's life, um, the early part of the early years. Um, the story told us uh, in the very first 10 or 11 psukim of Parakbat, that of the birth um, and endangerment and rescue uh, of Moshe uh, by, of course, Bat Paro. Uh, now, there are many intriguing details to this little story of Moshe being put in the Teba, of being put in his little ark by his birth mother, and being found uh, by his adoptive mother, his rescue by Bat Paro. Um, but what I would like to focus on is something I think that the Torah does here, which is very interesting, which is the creation of a certain kind of parallel, uh, a link or connection between Moshe's birth mother, uh, she who is called here Bat Levi in Perak Bet Pasuk Aleph, and Moshe's adoptive mother, uh, she who was called here in these psukim, in the first 11 psukim of Perak Bet, over and over and over, again, almost by an anonymous name, uh, a name without a, not a proper name, Bat Paro. Uh, and this alone is enough to get us to begin to think uh, about the connection between these two women. One is known as Bat Levi, and one is known as Bat Paro, a certain kind of connection and parallelism between the names. And as we will see, I think the Torah does a lot more to link up uh, these two women rather than just um, a certain kind of um, similarity 
in their in their lack of a proper name, and they're being named Bat X or, or Bat Y, as the case may be. Let us pick it up in Parak Bet, Pasuk Bet, some interesting verbs uh, that the Torah uses to describe the very first moments uh, of Moshe's life, uh, the very first, perhaps the very first few days or months of Moshe's life. Parak Bet, Pasuk Bet tells us as follows. Vatar ha'isha, vateled ben, and the woman became pregnant, she gave birth to a son, vatere oto kitov, and she saw that he was good, vatitzbeneu shloshayorachim, and she hid him for three months. Pasuk Gimel, v'loyachlo od hatzbino, she can no longer conceal him, vatikachlo tevat gome, and she took um, a small ark of reeds, vatachamra bachemer, etc., and as we know, as the story goes on, she places the young child in the um, little tevan, the little basket, and she places it in the river. Now, the operative terms here are vatero tokitov, she saw that he was good, and then uh, because in response, this vatikachlo tevat gome. Um, so she is described as, as seeing and taking, and the seeing and the taking, of course, are vis a vis the child, and they kind of express her concern, her rachamim, her love, her desire to save this child. Well, if we move on uh, to the very next uh, mini-section uh, of uh, the first part of the parak, um, we move to, from the house of uh, Moshe, where he is born, down to the river. And um, Parak Dalit, Pasuk Dalit, tells us as follows. Bat paro um, and Bat Paro uh, went down to wash at the river. And her maidservants, uh, her young girls, uh, walked along the edge of the river. Now, apparently, Vatere here refers to Beit Paro, and she saw, singular, she saw the uh, basket, the ark, uh, in the reeds on the edge of the river. And she took it. Um, so here, uh, the words Vatere and Vatikacha are used to describe Bat Paro. And this, of course, parallels um, Bat Levi, the mother, the birth mother of Moshe, who also had seen and taken. So both women see and take uh, in the story. Um, and this, of course, becomes emphasized uh, by the famous Rashi, uh, commenting on um, Pasuk Hey, which says, And Bat Paro saw the uh, basket amidst the reeds. Um, literally, this should be translated, she sent her maidservant and took it through the means of her maidservant. Again, Vatikachah referring to Batpar herself, but she does it by the means of the Shlichot, the messenger of her maidservant. Rashi comments, what is Amata? Amata means Yad. It emphasizes that she, in fact, does it herself because Vatikachah is the personal action of Batpar. And this, of course, notes that she sees and she takes, just like um, Batlevi, the birth mother of Moshe, in the first part of the story. Now, a, a third connection um, between uh, the two women in the story that the Torah builds um, can be glimpsed by looking at a third occurrence of uh, the pair Vatar Vatikach in the story. And this third occurrence appears uh, or occurs in a very interesting way. If we pick it up from um, where we were in, in the Psukim, at the beginning of Pasuk Vav, Vatiftach Vatireo etayeled. And she opened up the, the small basket, Vatireu, and she saw, so again, Batparo sees, Vineinar Boche, it was a crying small child, Vatachmol Alav, and she had mercy upon him, Vatomer Mialdea Ivrimze. So, what did she see? Um, 
she sees the crying child, and her vision is one of compassionate mercy. And then, of course, what happens? Well, Vatomer Chatol Bat his sister, uh, Moshe's sister, who was on the scene, uh, offered to Bat Paro to bring a woman to nurse the child. And she, of course, goes and brings uh, the mother uh, of the child. And if we take a look a bit further on in Pasuk Tet, Vatomer Lach. Uh, then now says to the mother of the child, not knowing that it's the mother of the child, actually says to Bat Levi, uh, take this child and nurse him for me, um, and I will give your schar. And the woman took the child. So here, if we think about the third pair of Vatar and Vatikach, um, it is Bat Paro who has compassionate mercy upon the child and knows that. Ideally, he should even have a Hebrew woman to nurse him. And therefore, Vatikach Isha, the Isha receives back the child. So we have here a kind of third connection, that Vatar Vatikach, which is a kind of leitmotif, or um, a key term, or a key pair throughout the story. Here, the third time around, it is split uh, between Bat Paro and Bat Levi, where Bat Paro sees and Bat Levi takes. Now, of course, this dovetails nicely with the, with the content uh, of that very section, uh, or that very segment, because as I just pointed out a moment ago, it is a conversation um, between Bat Paro, the adoptive mother, and Bat Levi, the birth mother, um, where the two of them engage in this joint project together, um, where Bat Paro is now going to deliver um, the child over for a brief period of time to the nursemaid, the actual real mother, and eventually, uh, after time, receive him back. So I think there is this sense that begins to emerge from uh, the Psukim that the birth, saving, and raising of Moshe is a kind of joint project, uh, a kind of parallel project of these two women, Bat Livi on the one hand, and Bat Paro on the other hand. Now, um, I think there are two last points which I would like to make, which I think emphasize this theme uh, even a bit more. And uh, the first of them is uh, if fo- the following through of the physical movement of this child, the physical movement of the Yelid or Nar throughout uh, the story. Uh, if we think about it, of course, in what might be thought of as A, um, Moshe, the Yelid Nar, begins with his birth mother, with Bat Levi. For example, in Pasuk Bed and Gimel, Vatari Shavatele Ben, so he begins with his mother during those first three months. Then later on uh, in the story, a bit in the next mini section, so to speak, in what we thought of as B, um, well, now we find the child in the custody, physically in the hands of Bat Paro. In Pasuk So in B, Moshe is now in the hands of Bat Paro. Well, in A again, he then goes back to his birth mother, Bat Levi, when um, he is given to her to nurse um, in uh, Pasuk Tet. The, the mother, the birth mother, the woman, Bat Levi, takes him back. So that's A again. And finally, we have another B, where the child moves back yet again in the direction of Bat Paro in Pasuk Yud. Um, and the Yelad was weaned, and he was brought to Bat Pro, so he goes back to Bat Pro. So we have this movement of A, Bat Levi, B, Bat Pro, A, Bat Levi, B, Bat Pro, and the back and forth here again signifies the kind of joint partnership with the dual motherhood that Moshe has. And finally, um, in a last emphasis of this point, I think the Torah tells us that Moshe is raised twice. Uh, we actually have the word Vayigdal twice in the Torah. 
in Pasuk Yud, Ve'igdal ha'yelad ve'tivei le'bat paro, Moshe was raised and brought to bat paro, i.e. he was raised by his birth mother, bat levi, and here, the, probably for a relatively short period of time, but the Torah uses the word ve'igdal, nevertheless. And then, um, finally, in Pasuk Yud Aleph, Ve'yibayami mahem ve'igdal Moshe ve'yitzelachav, at the beginning of the next segment of the story, again, ve'igdal Moshe ve'yitzelachav, Moshe grows up. All this, of course, is referring to a latter stage um, in his growth, a latter stage in his raising. But the doubling of Aigdal again emphasizes that Moshe has two childhoods, two raisings, two mothers, uh, the first with Bat Levi, and of course the second eventually with Bat Paro. Now, all of this, um, when put together, I think raises a very interesting question. Clearly, the Torah is interested in structuring this parallel between Bat Levi and Bat Paro. Clearly, the Torah is interested in emphasizing the central role of Bat Paro as a mother in saving Moshe, in raising Moshe. And I think the obvious question is, is what is really the meaning uh, of this emphasis by the Torah? Or even what is the meaning of the central role of Bat Paro in the life of a Moshe in the larger scheme of things on the, in the realm of, of divine providence? Uh, why is it that the text emphasizes things in this way, or why is it providence arranges things in this way? It's really just kind of two sides of the same question. Now, some of the Parshanim uh, do relate to this issue of the role of Bat Paro in the life of Moshe. And uh, Ibn Ezra um, makes a rather striking comment. Um, he refers to the divine wisdom, the sometimes unfathomable uh, divine wisdom. And, and to quote from Ibn Ezra, here in Perikbet Pasuk what he says is, Hashem amku. The thoughts of, of God are deep. <laughs> Who can really understand their, their secret in reference to this problem? But uh, immediately afterwards, Ibn Ezra does make a suggestion. Perhaps divine providence arranged this scenario of the centrality of Bat Paro, of Moshe having a second mother so that he could be raised in the Beit Machut, so that he could have a kind of royal raising. And Ibn Ezra goes on to point out so that his soul would have the proper education, the proper manners, and the proper behavior, and he would be capable of the kind of proper tchunot or, or abilities to be a leader later on. So Ibn Ezra, as I said, I think it's a striking claim, refers to divine providence, he refers to the necessity of breeding a leader in the house of royalty, and this was perhaps the reason for why Bat Paro is so central, why being raised in the house of Paro is central, why providence arranged things in this way, and as I said, this is a kind of uh, claim made by Ibn Ezra. Uh, now, I think this is interesting and, and should be analyzed in depth, but I am going to more or less skip over it, and what I would like to do is, time allowing, make two suggestions as to the reason for the centrality of Bat Paro in the life of Moshe. Um, one, which I think casts an eye back towards the previous parak, uh, to the previous context of Parak Aleph, and one, again, if time allowing, which uh, casts an eye forward to the remainder of Parak Bet, um, the remainder of the early years of Moshe, and as well to the story of the snare uh, of the burning bush found in Parak Gimel. Uh, let us begin, and here with the first option of casting backwards to Perak Aleph, by taking a look at, again, at some of the language found at the beginning of uh, Perak uh, Bet. Uh, let us pick it up uh, in Perak Bet, um, Pasuk uh, Gimel. Uh, no, Pasuk Bet. Vatari Isha, 
And the woman became pregnant, Vatelit Ben, and she gave birth to a son, Vatero Tokitov. She saw that he was good, he had potential, um, it was worth saving, it was worth making an extra effort. She hid him for three months. Um, now, why'd she have to hide him? Well, of course, we know the reason uh, why she had to hide him. If we go back to Perak Aleph Pasik Kafbet uh, for a moment, there we have, of course, Paro's command to commit genocide. Uh, Perak Aleph Pasik Kafbet is as follows. And Paro commanded all of his people, uh, any uh, any male child that is born, throw him into the river. And of course, the females can be kept alive. So uh, Moshe's birth mother had to hide him because of Gzerat Paro, um, because of the decree of Paro that all male children should be drowned. So she does hide him. And of course, we already see here there is obviously some literary and conceptual connection between Perak Bet and Perak Aleph, where Perak Aleph ends with the idea of the Ben, um, whose life is threatened. Um, Perak Bet also opens with uh, the term Ben, uh, again found in uh, Perak Bet, Pasuk Bet, Vatelet Ben, um, who to avoid the fact that his life is threatened, or in response to the fact that his life is threatened, must be hidden by his mother. So there's a kind of uh, linguistic and thematic connection here. And if we go on, I think this connection becomes even a bit stronger. Uh, and she could no longer hide him because, of course, he was growing older. And she took this uh, reed basket, and she lined it nicely with pitch. So what she d- does here is she takes the child, and it's familiar to us, but it, we should still pay attention to it, takes the child, places him in the basket, and places the basket in the ya'or. And if we go on a bit further, this term Yaora, meaning river, appears another two times in Pasukei. When we switch scenes uh, to, um, and Bat Paro appears upon the scene, uh, Pasukei says as follows, Vatered Bat Paro lechot al hayor, a second time in the story, and her maid servants, her young ladies, uh, walked along the edge uh, of the river, so Yaora a third time. And etc. And then, of course, she spotted the Tevas pointed out previously. Now, uh, it's very strange here um, that the Torah emphasizes uh, the term Yor, uh, says it not once, but a second time and a third time. And you might say, well, that's really kind of coincidental. It's, it's just um, where the action happens. Uh, the action happens down at the river, and therefore the word Yor appears three times in the story in close conjunction. But I think there's, there's more to it than this. Um, this is a story of. Ben and Yaor. Um, the story in Parag Bet Pasuk Aleph begins with ben, with Pasuk Bet begins with the term Ben. Yaor is mentioned prominently, and of course, um, in the uh, in this naming of Moshe, which kind of is the the culmination of this very first segment of Parag Bet. Um, we're told there, Vahila Leben, and this boy became a son to her, Vatikrashmo Moshe, uh, and she called his name Moshe, because I drew him from the water. So the whole essence of Moshe, he is the Ben Hayaor. He is the son of the river. Um, the term Ben appears twice in the story, the term Yaor appears three times in the story, and uh, his name reflects that he is the son who is drawn out of the water. Now, of course, this connects us back to Perak Aleph, and then Perak Aleph is the story of Ben and Yaor. And Parag Bet is a story of Ben and Yor. Now, what we have to realize, though, is that there's a kind of 
opposite relation um, between uh, the two stories. And now if we go back to Parag Alpha Pasek we just have to think briefly about the kavana, about the intention of Paro in the first Ben Yor story in Parak Aleph to realize this. Again, in Parak Aleph, Pasek we're told as follows. Any son, any male child that is born, throw him into the river, and the females keep alive, and obviously the implication, it's obvious, throwing the child into the river is going to lead to the child's death. So in Paro's mind, the conjunction of Ben and Yaor is supposed to lead to death. Um, the child drowns in the river. Now, of course, we should realize that Perkbet is an opposite Ben and Yaor story. Um, we can think about this, of course, uh, by realizing that what's the reason, uh, or thinking about the kavana of Bat Levi, the mother of uh, Moshe, in putting him in the river. Uh, well, she's concerned about his death at the hands of the Gzera of Paro. So what does she do? Well, uh, she takes the little basket and she lines it with zafet, vatasem batayeled, in order to save his life, vatasem basuf al sfat hayaor. So he's placed in the river. So Ben and Yaor are conjoined by the Bat Levi, the mother, the birth mother of Moshe, in exactly the opposite way that Ben and Yaor were conjoined by Paro. If Paro conjoined Ben and Yaor for the purposes of death, the birth mother of Moshe, Bat Levi, conjoins Ben and Yaor for the purposes of life. Um, now, uh, of course, if we think about this, well, where should Bat Paro, who is called Bat Paro five times throughout the story, um, where should she come down? Well, obviously, she should come down um, on the side of Paro, which this takes us back to Parakei, uh, to, pardon me, to Pasakei and Pasuk Vav. So she went down to wash at the river, the place where the banim of the Ivriim are supposed to be drowned to death. So she saw it and she took it. And she opened it and saw the child. It was a crying child. Now what should she do? She's in the river. Her maidservants are on the edge. That's why they don't see um, the... Uh, the teva ensnarled in the reeds on the side. Only she from inside the river sees uh, the teva. She might be still in the river or might be on the edge of the river. And how easy it would be for Bat Paro to conjoin Ben and Yaar exactly as um, her father wants her to, as the side of Paro wanted to and to drown the child. But that's not what she does. And with the quick um, suggestion of the sister of Moshe, of course, Bakparo decides to defy her father's decree. She decides to save uh, the uh, life of the child because of her compassionate vision. And not just that she reverses and defies her father's decree in conjunction of bending her over the purposes of death, but what does she do? In the end of the day, take a look, jump to now to the end of the story again, um, in, or think about it, in Parak Bet Pasuk Yud, this became her own son, meaning uh, that child who represents the reversal or the defying of her father's decree of genocide, not just that she saved him momentarily, but she became his son, and his very name is a kind of constant and eternal reminder of that moment of rachamim, of that moment of rejection and reversal of her father's decree. So I think uh, what we might note here is that there's a very interesting connection between Perak Aleph and Perak Bet. If in Perak Aleph, 
Um, Paro puts together Ben and Yoav for the purposes of cruelty, of genocide, of death. In Perak Bet, there are these two women, um, Bat Levi and Bat Paro, who put together Ben and Yoav for the purposes of life. And the entire story is about the rejection by these women and the reversal by divine providence of Paro's entire decree um, that Ben and Yoav lead to death. It's the saving of the child through the Yoav, from the Yoav, and eventually, of course, in the ultimate irony, um, and kind of undermining of Paro's decree, this child, who will eventually be the matzil of all of Am Yisrael, is raised in his very own house by his very own daughter. Um, this brings us to a related and second point, uh, which is kind of the larger context of Parak Aleph, and this again connects to the idea of uh, the reversal of Paro's desires, or the contradiction uh, of, of Paro's desires. Um, let us go back and pick it up for the moment in Perak Aleph, um, Pasuk Tet, um, because if until now we have talked about the last decree of Perak Aleph, the decree of genocide, um, of course the series of Paro's decrees begins earlier on in, uh, in Perak Aleph. Um, so let's pick it up in Perak Aleph, Pasuk um, Tet, uh, where Paro says as follows, Perhaps said to his people, or perhaps to his advisors, This nation, the Bnei Israel, they are many and mightier than we are. Let us be wise or tricky vis-a-vis them. Lest they multiply even more, and then when a, a, a battle occurs, a war occurs, they'll join our enemies, they'll fight against us. So, Bnei Israel are, of course, a, a physical danger a political danger. Uh, there's a political, military, diplomatic, physical fear or issue that Paro has with Am Yisrael. But of course, he's afraid they're going to leave, Alam and and most probably there's also an economic issue. So there's a kind of political, economic, military issue, and Paro desires to control them. And that's, this leads to Paro's first decree, Prosecute Aleph, And they put upon them taskmasters in order to afflict them uh, with their burdens. So the original decree or the original purpose of the slavery is control. Um, it is meant to afflict them, to control them, to wear them down, to wear down their numbers. We even are a to the paro, and of course they would uh, provide economic benefit to Egypt. So the issues are political, military, diplomatic, economic, etc. And Paro's intention is primarily control, control on the military plane, control on the economic plane, and also control on the demographic plane to wear them down a bit by putting them into slavery. Of course, uh, what is the result uh, of Paro's decree? Is Paro successful? Pasuk Yudbet. Kasher Yanuoto, but as they afflicted them, so they multiplied. And the words here are the same as Paro had used. The problem was Penyerbe, uh, but that's exactly what happens. Kenyerbe. Um, Paro intended Lamano and Oto, but all that they afflicted him, Kenyerbe, Vachenyefrotz. And so to speak, Paro's first decree failed completely. Well, as the story goes on, we get to a, a second decree of Paro's, Pasukud Yemel. And Egypt afflicted uh, the B'nai Israel with um, hard backbreaking labor. Pasigid familiar verses. And they embittered their lives with hard labor. With mortar and with bricks. And also any kind of work in the field. Very, very difficult. Um, 
Now, of course, the purpose of this back-breaking slavery is to wear them down, to break them down, um, to reduce their numbers. It's primarily a kind of um, population control measure, at least in the ancient Near East. And we might say that it fails. So first, uh, the general Inui failed, and secondly, the hard-breaking uh, parach, back-breaking labor failed. And therefore, power moves to another stage, apparently a third stage, of hidden genocide. etc. So, Paro commands the midwives to kill all male children when they are born. Um, and he does this in a secret fashion. So, the third stage is not so much uh, a, a general um, um, requirement of work or labor, or secondly, a kind of back-breaking slavery, but in fact, a command of hidden genocide that upon birthing the male children should be killed. Of course, does this third decree of Paro's work? The answer is, of course, not. Because the Torah tells us in Pasuk Yudzayin, They feared God. They had fear of Elohim. They did not do as the king of Egypt spoke them, they kept them alive. So, of course, uh, when Paro fails in the third stage of his plan or in his third decree, eventually he moves away from hidden genocide and he goes the, all the way down the slippery slope. We come to Perak Aleph, Pasuk Kafpet, Paro's fourth decree. Vaitzah Paro l'chol amo, he commands openly to everyone in his nation. So we might say that the divine providence uh, in Perak Aleph contradicts, contraindicates, and prevents the accomplishment of Paro's decrees. Paro wants to control the Bnei Yisrael politically and militarily and to wear them down a little bit by forcing them to engage in labor. Inui, but it doesn't work. They simply multiply. That Inui, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows, is really just no more than uh, the Inui promised in the Brit Pinab Tarim that they were afflicted and become a great nation. While Paro thinks he's in control, it's of course really God through his providence uh, who is in control. And as the story goes on, we get to the second and third decrees of Paro, the hard back-breaking labor, which is certainly in in, uh, intended as a population control measure. And of course, the command of hidden genocide, which within a short period of time, by eliminating every male child born, would wipe out the nation. This too fails! And the Torah tells us why? Because of Yirat Elokim, Vatirenet Amehaldot et Elokim. They feared God. Rather strange. But it's because of God's existence, God's control, and there, there are those who fear God. Once again, in the battle between Paro and God, Paro is displayed as impotent, and it is God who is in control. And so to hear in the case of the third and fourth um, decrees of Paro that uh, he, his desires are contraindicated by the divine providence. This brings us to the fourth decree of Paro, the last pasuk of Parak Aleph again. Parak Aleph, pasuk Kafbet, Vayitzav, Paro, Lechol Amol, Lemar, Kol Ben Ha'ilod, Da'yirat, Tashdiku, Cholbat, Chayon, open genocide. And this is the end. Eventually, the people will be wiped out because now the entire Egyptian people is apparently engaged in the elimination of the Jewish people. And Parak Bet tells us that, oh, 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 it's no different than the previous decrees. Here, Paro's decree of conjoining Ben and Yor for the purposes of death is contraindicated by his very own daughter, by Bak Paro, who puts Ben and Yor together um, as a symbol of life, who saves the child who eventually is going to be the Matzil, 
uh, of Am Yisrael is going to redeem them from slavery, and who raises this child in the house of Paro himself. There could be no greater demonstration of the impotence of Paro, of the power of divine providence um, in arranging things in this way. And I think Parak Bet is some sort of natural continuation of Parak Aleph uh, in demonstrating how uh, God's providence undermines and contradicts um, Paro's decrees. Um, so you might say that this is one reason uh, for the way the Torah emphasizes uh, things here at the beginning of Parak Bet, for the central role of Bat Paro in saving Moshe, um, in raising Moshe, in being a kind of second mother for Moshe. It's all part of this theme of divine providence, of the battle, of the conflict uh, between uh, Paro on the one hand and Akadosh Baruch and God on the other hand. The, so to speak, conflict that begins here in Parak Aleph and it continues on here in Parak Bet. All along, it is the divine providence uh, who had, that has been arranging things. And of course, this foreshadows the famous issue of the conflict between power and God, Kaviyachol, so to speak, later on in the story of the redemption itself. I think we might say that all of this begins here uh, in Parak Bet on the kind of seam line between Parak Aleph and Parak Bet. Um, and I think this is one approach, uh, as I said, to the centrality of uh, Bat Paro here. Uh, and to the meaning of Moshe being rescued, saved, and raised uh, by the daughter of Paro. Of course, I think there are other approaches, something I alluded to a little bit earlier on, but we are out of time, so we will have to pick this up uh, another time.